One thing that is, that is going on here that we're doing with his, his stuff on Facebook Live is uh, uh, we're doing our citywide service again here in September, and Rick put together a series of videos for that. It's called uh, The Gathering at Mustang Bow on September 22nd. So y'all put that on your calendar. It'll be a Sunday evening at 6. We're putting, again, stuff on his, on his uh, uh, Facebook site concerning that. There will be some other videos as well. Uh, you should be. You should see it all over the town. It will be a wonderful thing, I do believe. So, God, uh, yeah. you should go back to youth ministry. Youth is a relative term. True. The older I get, the older I get. All right, I want to review some stuff. This goes along with the things that we're going to talk about anyway, so that's good. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to First John chapter 3. Do a quick review of the things we talked about last Sunday and catch up to the point we want to make today. And we'll get you guys out of here before it gets 100 degrees. Second Peter chapter... I'm sorry, First John. Yeah, I'm sorry. First John chapter 1. Chapter 3. Am I making, making this worse? First John chapter 3. <laughs> there is a promise in here. And it's a huge promise uh, from God the Father to Jesus His Son. And it concerns you. It concerns all of us if you, if you would receive it. 1 John 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love that the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, His second coming, when He returns, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So, here's the promise from God the Father to Jesus the Son. I am preparing a bride for you. She will be just like you. She will be equal to the stature of Christ himself because she will be one with Christ. That's what husbands and wives are supposed to do. So, he's making a promise to his son. When you go back, you're going to go back to get your bride. She'll see you because she's going to be like you in nature and character and things that she can do with, with you. So there's a process going on right now in the body of Christ among his people trying to get us in a state where we can fulfill that scripture. That is a promise. Now look over to Second Peter. Peter picks up on the same principle, I guess, talking about this way we should be things. And he talks about it, uh, just, we're going to just go over this real quick, and we did last week. Chapter 1, Peter says in verse 3, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, and that promise I just read in First John, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Through the promises, and one of the promises we just read in John. We will be like him, the divine nature. So it's through the things that he has promised us that we can get from where we are to what he wants us to be when Jesus returns for us. Like him. Just like him. Alright? Then following this section in, in Peter, verse 5 on, 
mentions eight attributes of the divine nature. We'll read it real quick. Um, for this uh, reason, giving all diligence after your faith. Here's your eight things. Faith, virtue, after virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, you add self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. That's six. To godliness, and you have two words in a row that are Greek words for the word love. Brotherly kindness, that's the word, Greek word, phileo. Brotherly kindness, or like friendship love. And the other love, which is agape. God type love. And the last one, of course, is the God type love, agape. And so he adds all these things to us if we walk with him. These things will be, this is what makes us into the divine nature. All these things. Now they're from God. But we have our part to do. We have to walk with Him in it. We have to believe Him for it. And we have to receive it. And then don't let it go. Because you could let it go. Now, verse 9 says, If we, he who likes these things is short-sighted, even the blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you do these things, what God is doing is he's opening a door to you. A door into his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And as he shifts back, the closer he comes, the more we will become like him in his nature. All right? This is what God is doing. And if you notice, we, we actually started in, in love. First John says, Behold what manner of love it is that God has even called us to be this. He starts it with love. He ends it with love. We are bracketed by the love of God. So we are surrounded by what He can do. And we're going to talk about that. Because love, I think, is the key to getting us to where we need to go. There is so much division today in the, in the body of Christ. There's so much division in this world. And it is not lessening up. It is getting worse. Day by day, month by month. It's like, good grief. It's, it's hard to turn on the TV anymore. Because all you hear is a reason to go fight someone. How many of you can watch 30 minutes of news and not get mad? And guess where you don't want to watch the news? Because it always comes with an opinion. And the thing that I object to it's depending on what channel you listen to, especially on news. The secular world is teaching you what you should think about other Christians. Did you realize that? If you watch Fox News, they will teach you that anyone on the other side of Republicanism, that would be the Democrats, are Democrats, they're demons. Even the Christians in there, they teach you that. And it's definitely so on the other side. CNN, MSNBC, CBS, all the, all the channels. You watch them. If you watch them long enough, they will begin to convince you that anybody who supports Donald Trump is a racist, is a white supremacist, is a hater, is not even a Christian. He's probably the Antichrist. And you know what? If you listen to it long enough, you begin to believe it. So why is the world telling me what I should believe about less? The only way I can stop it is quit listening. 
Stop the listening. Jesus was very clear. Take heed what you hear. And there's another place he says, take heed how you hear. So whatever's coming at you, you need to start watching it and be the gatekeeper of your own life, of your own household, and of your own family. You should watch it. Because right now the enemy is out there trying to destroy us through words. All right. But that's not his way. Now, in uh, John 13, at the end of his walk, the very last few days of his life, Jesus did a couple of things. He ran into a bunch of scribes, and they had a debate. We sort of just saw it here. And the debate was, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment in the kingdom? And they were talking about the ten. Which is the greatest commandment? And what came out of that, there are two great commandments. The first is love God. Number one, love God with everything in you. And number two, the second five, love your neighbor. All right, five and five. Love God, love your neighbor. And what other scribes says, you know, Lord, that is, that is correct. There's no greater thing than those things out there. If you do all that, it's more than all the sacrifices and offerings that you can give in the Old Testament. And Jesus had this profound statement to him. He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is even more than just the Ten Commandments. It's added. There's a one thing that we need to add to that that fulfills the whole thing. All right? And he gave it to us. The last night was his disciples in John 13. Verse 34. A new commandment. Now that's interesting. Because we've had all these commandments. We've had the 10, and we've had the 600 and something in the Old Testament. And yet, at the end of his walk with these guys, he says, I want to give you a new commandment. And here it is. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this you all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I thought we were already talking about loving. Love God, love your neighbors. And yet Jesus is saying, there's a new version of this thing that you guys need to be aware of. And without getting too technical, or too cute, We use the actual word itself in the Greek to make the differences. The word here is agape. Agape love. Now, in Peter's version of faith, you have these eight attributes. The next to last one was uh, one version of love. It's called phileo love, friendship love. We love each other. But there's a, the next one was agape love. And that's the one that Jesus was focusing on. I want you to go up to the level of the God type of love. I want you to love like God loves. How does God love? He's a divine nature. So how does God love? Do you love like God? Do you try? How many of you get in fights with your spouse? Ever? How long did <laughs> Still going on, I see. <laughs> Who was wrong? Oh, there we go. It's always the other one. The other guy. So what are you supposed to do about it? What does God do about that? See, that's where we need to go. Because I tell you right now that the divisions that are in the body of Christ, 
The only way we're going to deal with them is love. The same love that God uses to deal with them. If we get into it with a debate, it will never get there. We'll just get madder. And our trenches will become deeper. And the fight will become harder. There is another way that the world will even know that you're walking with him because you have what Jesus said right here. Love for one another. What does that mean? Look over in First uh, John. First John chapter 4. If you really want to get a, a load of this love that, that, that we're talking about here, just read all the books that John wrote. The Gospel of John, the first, second, and third John. My Lord, they are just full of this. He really got the revelation on, on, on love. And, and here's one of them. I, I could go anywhere in his, in his writings and just put on a section, and there it is again. But here's a good one. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. He said, Beloved, let us love one another. That's what Jesus said. He heard that. He was there that day. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And I see agape love. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, if I'm going to call up the pinnacle uh, description of the divine nature, it is that little three-word deal right there. God is love. That is divine now, it's not going, you can't flip it and say, well, love is God. That's not, that's not it at all. No, no, no. That's what the world would do to you. And then, then once they got you going down that path, they will begin to dictate to you what you should and shouldn't do because their definition of love is not God. God is love. God is just. God is holy. He's a lot of things. But for sure, His divine nature is love. So, we need to go there. How do you get it? If God is the definition of this love that we're going to go to, how do you get it? By definition, it is God. It's not me. Step number one, realize you can't do it by yourself. You just can't do it by yourself. But you can receive it. It comes down from above. From the Father of lights. It comes down. He gives it to you. So, it would be a good idea to humble yourself, I would think. Start there. And when you get into these little fights we talked about with your husband and your wife, start there. Who's acting like John right now? <laughs> See, we're already starting there. You can tell. This is we're getting through. <laughs> if I could say it this way, I think love is like a seed. Uh, you know, like a husband and wife say, he gives the seed. That will become a person. And God gives himself into you like a seed. Love. It starts with love. And so if it's from God, it should produce the fruit of that seed. 
What does love look like? I, the, the short answer is read First Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't take a record of the wrongs. It's, you should put that on your refrigerator. That will stop a lot of things. You know, just go read that there. You know what I'm saying? That's the fruit of that seed. Yeah, exactly. You're not doing number 3D. I just know you're not. Well, God 17. Let's talk about how do you get there. There's more than one answer, by the way. I want to give you one today. John 17. Look at verse 26. <clears throat> Jesus' Jesus' prayer. And in the last line of his prayer, so this is the, the point, I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me, and that is the copy, may be in them. So he's praying that that love that we need may be in you. How do we get to that point? So let's go back up to verse 20. There's a process here of getting to that point. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfect in one, and the world will know you sent me. Alright. So, his first prayer in getting us to this love thing, is pray that we begin to join together. Unity can make it happen, folks. Because here's how the unity of God, the plan for unity starts. Father God, in Jesus his Son, Jesus his Son, with Father God, in you. And in you, in one another. Alright? This way. It's the cross. So it's coming down from Father God, through Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. We did read the scripture on that. He gave it to us for this. And then we become one in each other. Just think about this. If you were really one with God, wouldn't you by definition be partaking of His divine nature? And wouldn't you by definition be like Him so that you can see Him as He is? Amen? So it's coming to us, to a theater next to you, your heart, and it begins to have fruit. And what would the first fruit be, do you think? If Father God, who is one with Jesus, there's no schism at all, actually entered you and others like you, what would be the first sign of it? We would be one. Would we not? And the world would know that God has sent him. And that we, the only way we can be one is that we love one another. It's the only way that God deals with you all the time. I mean, how many of you are knuckleheads every day? Every day. Some of you are better than others. But God deals with your knuckleheadedness 
through his love. He's wanting to be one with you. And that's how he does it. He overlooks that stuff. He deals with that stuff. He doesn't let it rule your relationship with him. He just doesn't let it do it. So we should be like that, right? We shouldn't let stuff rule our relationships with each other. We just shouldn't do it. But we are doing it. In the body of Christ, he's going to deal with it. Well, he says, verse 23, I'm doing all this that they may know that you sent me in the last line and have loved them as you have loved me. The effect of his love in us causes us to be one with one another. He agreed. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I declare to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them. And I am them. All right, so there's a couple key things that he's talking about, getting that love into us. One is he's going to show us his glory. If he shows us his glory, it helps us get to the goal. I tell you what, folks, when God shows up in all of his glory, I think all the stuff that bothers us down here will fade. It's hard to look at junk. When you're looking at perfection. You know, they just, and it, the Bible says, if you look at it, you become like that. So, he wants his glory to be seen. How does the glory of God get seen? Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments, still there. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to do this day. I think it's kind of funny because it's perfect. Of what I'm doing here. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. We've already been told that. He ruined the party. But, as he said, there was actually two versions of it. And this is the first version of it. And please note, Exodus 20 follows Exodus 19. And in Exodus 19, God asked those people, would you enter into a covenant with me? Would you just keep my commandments, enter into a covenant with me, and be my special treasure my jewels. And they said, I do. Can I get married? Do you promise? What does our promise on your way? To love and obey. So that used to be in the long time ago. Am I right? I used to be in there. Love and obey. And he asked them that in chapter 19. And guess what they said? Of course. Did they lie? How many of you got married with all these promises? I did one the other day. Where's the daddy? She's here. They did their own. I wonder if they've broken any of it since. All these vows. Oh, I promise. I'll love you forever. Yeah. You the babe. That's a little bit of Eros love. It just fades away. So they made a promise. Did they keep it? Before we get to this full party, they go immediately to the mountain. They make the agreement, and here we are, Moses, getting the Ten Commandments that God writes. Chapter 20, verse 1. 
And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness or anything that is in heaven above, in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy, which is actually a bad word for this. It's kased, the Old Testament word kased, which is the equivalent of the New Testament word agape love. I will kased to those who love me. Now, those two different words. Kesed is that highest version of love like we saw in the New Testament. But he says, for those who love me, like the phileo love. In other words, if you're friends with me and you, you, know, you like me and you're going to do all the things for me, you love me, then I'm going to give back to you that overwhelming love. Okay? Sound like a deal. All you got to do, don't hate me, love me, like a friend. Keep my commandments. We're good. And then the next one. Verse 6. But showing mercy. No, seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does that even mean? Does that mean cussing? Do you think? Really? Sounds kind of lame to me. Not very deep. Oh, we'll find out, I think. Because immediately, while they're up here, while God's up there doing this stuff with Moses, we know what's going on down there, don't we? They got impatient, didn't like the schedule of God. He went around. They forgot all the stuff they'd seen for the last quite a while. And they asked Aaron to make them a golden calf. And what did he say? These are your gods, O Israel. So they broke commandment number one. They broke commandment number two. Anybody ever get married? And find out. Real life ain't what you thought it was going to be. I thought you loved me. The only answer is a higher level of love. See, it's not a formula, folks. Declaring his name is bigger than that. It's forging a real relationship in real life. Exodus 33. So we know that they blew it. And God had to answer real life. Stuff that goes on every day in life. And there it was with him. The ink wasn't even dry. There was no ink. And so Moses broke the tablets. Y'all saw the movie. Charles and Justin. He broke the tablets. And he goes back up there and, but before he does, he, he, said, he petitions God, don't throw us away. Exodus 33. Do not throw us away. And God relents. He says, okay. We're going to go. We'll go to the promised land. I'm not going to throw you away. And then Moses says this amazing thing. And I want you to just picture what we just read. In John 17, the things, the key things that we saw in John 17, unity, glory, and I have declared your name. 
so that the love can be in them. Look at what he does. Same thing going on here. Exodus 33. Moses gets what he needs from God. In verse 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I will do this that you have spoken for. You found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses is very bold and says, so please show me your glory. Now, we look at that and go, what, why? Remember Jesus' prayer. Why did he show them his, what did he pray? Why did he pray that God showed them his glory? Think about it, folks. We just read it. Why did he ask for God to show them his glory? So that they could become one. And so that the love of God could come into them. It takes your attention away from mundane things to the holy thing, and you can actually get there. So Jesus is just repeating what he saw on this day with Moses at that mountain. Show me your glory. And we'll look at God's response to that request. He said yes, basically. So he says in verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So God's answer about, show me your glory, I will declare my name. Just like Jesus said, I'm going to declare your name. With the glory. So that the love of God can be in them, and they will know that you love them. Just like you love me. Which is an amazing fact. Just like he loves Jesus. He wants you to have that love in you. That's the way he feels about you. You are going to be his bride. No greater love. So God plays his name. We're done. Chapter 34. Verse 4. He takes the tablets. Verse, he cut two tablets of stone, just like the first. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and he reclaimed the name of the Lord. So here we go, declaring the name. And here, declaring the name of the Lord has meat to it. When a person's name is who they are. So what he's going to declare to Moses is who he is. This is God. All right, this is what, the fullness of God. All right. Verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Now, this word merciful is not what we saw in chapter 20 when he said merciful. It is the word racham. It does mean mercy. It also is, denotes the feeling of a woman is what they call womb love. You know how a mother is for her children. You can't get her off of them. They can commit murder. And she would let it go. Am I right, ladies? We don't understand that. But it, men have that too. I mean, they love, they love their sons and daughters. But the highest calling of that thing is with a woman. So, and that, he got, she got that from God. He is, that Rakan, he doesn't have mercy on everything you do. And he's also gracious. He has grace. Not only will he let the, the problem go, but he also would give you grace, favor in his eyes, as if you'd never done anything wrong. He would help you with whatever you needed help it with. The Lord is that way. And, 
a few more things. Long-suffering. Now, we do we all pray for that? I think people have prayed for that. They pray for patience. You ever pray for that? Bad prayer. Because he'll answer yes on that one. He'll give you every reason to wish you hadn't asked for that. But God is that. He is patient. Long-suffering. Abounding in goodness, which is the word just said. He is abounding in love and truth. God is love and truth. Look at verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, by no means clearing the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Does that sound like what we read in Exodus 20? It does, except for some major changes. And I'll give you the major changes. After the failure of the people, God does a few things about his name and what love really does. Number one, he forgives. You don't see that in Exodus 20. Love forgives. Why is it so hard for us to forgive? I don't know, except it is. Isn't it? Am I the only one that has trouble forgiving? But you know what the Bible says, do you not? You must forgive or... Say it again, Wake up. Or he won't forgive you. That sounds pretty cut and dry to me. But he always does. Love does it. So you know what that tells me? Even though I have such a hard time with all that says to me, is I'm human. Humans have a hard time forgiving. Agape does it. He does it. Love does that. That's the fruit of love. So if you can't get there, ask God for love. Amen. There's your prayer. Fill me up with more love so that I can say no to myself and forgive this person. That's one thing he has. Another thing. He doesn't just do it for those who love him. No, he does it for everybody. He dropped it. All of this is for anybody. You don't have to approach the, the throne of God nowadays on your good works. How many of you got saved while you were doing good? Didn't you get saved while you were his enemy? So he drops that part about, I'm going to punish those that hate me. That's not in there as well. He takes hate off. He takes, oh, you must love me before I love you. All that's gone. It's just gone. So the open door is to everyone. And not only does he forgive, he forgives completely. Iniquity, transgression, and sin. The root, the stem, the fruit. All of it. He doesn't bring it up later. It's gone. That was forged in the process of real life. Real life. And that's why Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Real life. This is not technocrats. This is not doing all the stuff. I did all 17, God. I can care less. Let me offend you once and see what you do. That's the issue. Amen? That's the only way we're going to deal with the schisms in the body of Christ. The only way. Now, for you that are a little bit legalistic, I will offer you some hope. Go back up to uh, verse 6. 
The last line, he abounds in chesed, love, and truth. Chesed and truth. Love and truth. This is what we call, I'm trying to say this, Hindiatus. A Hindiatus. You know what that means? A Hindiatus. For all you linguistic technocrats. A Hindiatus is bringing together two independent words to describe each other. Independent words, and they need each other to describe what they're looking at. Love and truth are independent words, but they put them together, and they describe each other. Love is not completely love, unless there's truth involved. And truth, by itself, means nothing without the love of God. It'll cause more fights. How many of you fight over lies? Versus how many of you fight over truth? Real facts. How many of you fight over facts? I can't believe that nobody fights over facts. I always fight over facts. <laughs> right? Why fight if I'm wrong? You always believe you're right. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but don't you fight usually because you think you're right? Facts. Truth. And what's the other person doing? Presenting their set of facts. Truth. But without love, it doesn't work. It just fights. Am I right? Go to Ephesians 5. Hindiatus. Love and truth. Ephesians 5. God uses that. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Agape. Your wives. Just as Christ also agape. The church. First, love. Okay? That's what Jesus is doing right now. His love. And he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with what? The washing of water by the word. That is truth. Love and truth. But first love. Shown her... He loves her. And then eventually, truth begins to come. That verse 27, he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The bride of Christ. And she will see him like he is. Because she will be just like him. So that's what he's doing with us, folks. He's speaking truth to us, but never apart from his love for us. In fact, love comes first. God first loved, and he gave. And then he can come back later and talk to us. Amen? Now, Jesus is doing that with his bride right now. Back up one chapter, chapter 4. And here's how he does it. 
or one of the methods in which he does it. Verse, chapter 4, verse um, 7. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to man. Now, we have the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine of those. We have the gifts of the Father. I think there's nine of those. That's in Romans. And here's the gift of Jesus. Fine. You go see him here. He gave gifts to men. Nine. Now, this, uh, verse 11. Here's the gifts. He gave him, he himself gave some to be, here's your five gifts. Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Five gifts to men. Why? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So me, Rick, some others, our gifts to you. I don't know if you don't feel that way, but ask them I care. I do care. I'm a gift. He's a gift. Maybe we wrap you. A gift. To you. What for? I build you up to do what? For the worst of the ministry. Our gifting should empower you to do the, the ministry. All of it. You're priest of God, according to uh, John in the book of Revelation. Priest of God. Works of the ministry. Edify the body. That's what we're for. Folks, he said this, I know, I've heard Rick say this many times. You don't hire us to do everything. That'll be a bad idea. Nothing gets done. Or very little gets done. And I kind of like what we've got going here. Well, we have a lot of this. That's Kyle is doing the works of the ministry. And all of you guys that are doing all the stuff with the kids, you're doing the works of the ministry. We've been trained to train you to do that. Are you doing it? You are doing it. It's working. Keep reading. Read 12 again. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And why? Look at this. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Isn't that what Jesus prayed for? That they would be one? We're getting there. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to what? A perfect man. A completely mature man in Christ. Just like him. Keep reading. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's how perfect. No other measure than him himself. Don't accept less. Just like Jesus. The divine nature in you. 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning prejudice of the people plotting on MSNBC. But here's this thing. Here's the head about us. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things unto him 
who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the affecting working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the body of Christ is supposed to grow up because, here it is, folks, we have got to become one. I can't get to that bride status without you. The five-fold ministry is to pour this out to you, and then you do this. Begin to minister God to one another. Let the love of God come through you. And eventually, it will bring truth with it. But don't do the mistake that we did the first time we heard this kind of thing. Go right out there to tell someone what they need to change. That won't work. That's not, well, my God, you should you should have that t-shirt called Marriage 101. If you go right out there to tell her what's wrong, let me have you burn the first bill you ever cooked with for your husband. I've heard that story so many times. If he had mentioned it, that would have been the last supper. Right? What do you say, guys? You know, she really smokes one. Not bad. Not bad. Where's the beaver sausage? That's just the way I like it. Right? Love covers a multitude of sins. I'm serious. So maybe we should be praying to a different point. God, would you fill me with the love of God? The Bible says in James, if you lack anything, you should ask God. And He will give it to you. Ask in faith. And I can say that I lack the full level of that of God. I know I do. Why do I know? Well, I still drive my car. Stuff happens. People do things. See, love doesn't mean anything outside the orbit of people. That's the truth. So this whole thing is real life. And some of the stuff that we're dealing with, like that day over there, you know, we can disagree easily about doctrine. But the only answer to get out of that mess is the love of God. Start there. Truth comes later. Amen? See you tonight at 6. Let's pray. Father, I pray for these people that they truly may enter into this state. We're not talking about some theory. We're talking about what you want to do with these people. <laughs> Lord, just prepare your bride. Prepare us. And not just get rid of this stuff. We don't need our fingers sticking out at one another. Point that stuff. What we need to learn to do is get on our knees and say, God changed me so that I can be used by you the right way. Walking with you, Jesus, you gave gifts to men. Those gifts are from you. They are of you. They are you. Be that in me. Be Jesus in me. Bring Father and Holy Spirit in me. And let me see the divine nature. And let that reflect into my life. Change me. I know that I will always have humans around me. 
born that way, or die that way, but a new man being renewed all the time in me. It's not like that. And I know he can be the one that operates in my life. Do it in the name of Jesus. I pray. Amen. So that's this.